No. All right. Anyway, you go. All right. And welcome back, coppers. So, ah, fuck that up. Oh, gets him. Gets him. About time, wasn't me. <laughs> it's the Cult of Popularity Podcast. And welcome back, coppers, to the Cult of Popularity Podcast, the only cult that listens to its followers. That's correct. And the reason we say that is because this week we are doing a special episode suggested with content from you, our followers. So thank you very much. Big thanks. Uh, Shout out again to Luke Coulson for the uh, movie that he suggested. Yes, thank you very much. And Chronoxus. It was Chronoxus, yeah. Chronoxus for the video game and the TV series, which is suggested via our Instagram page. Yeah, that's it. Thank you very much. So, what was it? The movie that was uh, suggested was uh, Night Shift. Night Shift. I keep going to call it Night Watch. Um, Can confirm when you go to search Night Watch, you get a very different set of results than what you're after. (laughs) Hey, Uh, he's talking about porn. Negative. I kept oh. that movie Nightwatch. Um, I think they're like Russian movies or something. Nightwatch, and there's a second one that goes with it called Daywatch. Makes sense. Mm, it's about like, you know, mystical vampire sort of shit, and there's like Nightwatch and the Daywatch. It's weird. I've watched one of them. I can't remember which one, but weird. it's crazy. It was just very hard to get a hand also on not, the second, second also, one. Also, not to be confused with the uh, TV series Night Shift as well. Because yeah, when I was trying to find information, yeah. it was coming up with the TV series, not the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got that. Uh, we've got the TV series suggested is Mighty Boosh. The Mighty Boosh. Excellent. It was actually a very fantastic suggestion if I do. Actually, I didn't make it. So, yes, I can say so myself. Yeah. And video game is Donkey Kong Country. Now, I think the uh, it was specified either Donkey Kong Country. I think we've discussed it. And we're just going to tackle Donkey Kong as a whole as part of this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we will we will focus on Donkey focus Kong mainly on Donkey Kong Country more than anything. But you can't you can't do it without talking about the rest, can you? Exactly. All right. Without further or further adieu, uh, I bid you adieu, good I bid sir. You adieu, good sir. Uh, let's kick this thing off like a weak baby in ancient Sparta. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> All right. What do you want to go with? Video. Let's go. Let's go movie. Movie. All right. Night Shift it is. So, so we'll start off with Night Shift. Do it. It was a... Um, no. For me, it was a Michael Keaton classic, even though he wasn't the, the main star of the movie. It was his oh, first oh. leading role, though. Yes. So that was cool. It was. It was very good. Huh? No. Even though he wasn't the main star, he was still... Well, it's hard. Like, I guess he... Was he a co-main star? Is that a thing? I don't know. Michael Keaton is always a star. <laughs> it's true. He's and he established that from the get-go. Yeah, like, you would not pick it as his first leading role. But yeah, it was a great suggestion because neither of us had seen it, which is pretty rare because a lot of older sort of movies like that we've mm. seen, well, at least one of us has seen it. Yeah, definitely. So we're going, we were going pretty blind into this one. Mm. I and think I was very keen on it to say it, when, especially knowing that Michael Keaton was in as well because I was a big fan of Johnny Dangerously. Which was, I think, the next movie did straight after that, where he was the leading role for it. So obviously, Night which Shift was hilarious. Has, Night Shift has done him wonders there and helped him. Yeah, definitely kickstart his career. Uh, overall, great film. 
I really enjoyed, like some of the jokes in it were really, really good. Uh, Michael Keaton had some great one-liners in it. Like he just did. great memorable quotes. Uh, like all of his ideas he kept recording on his <laughs> that was tape. Good. Way to eliminate garbage. Edible paper. Eat it. It's gone. It's gone. That was good, yeah. <laughs> was was, his character was absolutely great. It was good. Ironically enough, well, not ironically enough, I guess, but the his character's name is a tie-in to Commander Keaton. Whether it is, in, Whether yes. intentional or not. I don't believe that was because his actual name is like it's... It's William. I think it's actually William Blaskowski or something like, or something like that. that. Everyone calls, calls him Billy Blaze. Billy Blaze, which is obviously yeah, the name. As soon as I heard heard him say that, I was like, "Get out of town!" Like, get the fuck out. Uh, no, it was yeah. Billy Blaze, obviously the name of Commander Keen. Well, uh, his alter ego. His alter ego. Yeah. So that was a cool little. That, that I was the same when I saw that. It was great. Even the opening to the movie, though, like opening to the movie, night, sort of wet. On the road, see a lady walking, obviously a prostitute, the way the story goes. Mate, you can't spoilers. just... Wow. And you can't assume shit like that, man. Yes, you can. And <laughs> it was the 80s. <laughs> and that ties into my point. When you see her walking across the road, there's neon everywhere, it's dark, you hear saxophone music coming in over the top, and instantly you're like, this is an 80s movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, it was no denying no denying it was an 80s very long opening sequence because I did watch it with my wife um, who she, she actually quite in, enjoyed the film as well uh, which was which was good um, but she, she she did the opening sequence was quite long she was like can we fast forward and I'm like no I actually had to do some extensive googling with the opening scene because I thought the pimp that was being chased by those two other guys and got murdered eventually I was 100% sure that was OJ Simpson Wow. It wasn't. That'd be, that'd be about the right time for... For OJ being OJ movies. OJ movies, yeah. But yeah, that, that's why I sort of put two and two together and got five. Came <laughs> out with one extra. Uh, yeah. I'll take it. But do uh did really enjoy the uh, start of it, though, where it was... Where you had the... Like, where the pimps sort of tied him to the chair, and then the two guys were playing basketball, and one mm. of them remarks the other one, he's like, I'm dunk on you, sucker, or something like that. And he says to him, you couldn't dunk donuts. And then the dude gets thrown out of the thing and smashes and they just see this guy like land on the floor and die after the old mate's just done a massive dunk. And his only reaction is, pay up, sucker. Because <laughs> <laughs> what he said, he says to him, a dollar, like he's putting a bet on it. <laughs> it was crazy though, because that scene, like it was all done in slow motion stuff and the way he's going up to like lay up and do his dunk and everything else. Yeah. He does not react to the fact that there is a man strapped to a chair falling out of a window until he hits the ground. Mate, you're going to win a dollar. But he doesn't react. There's no, no change to him. Like, he, he's not aware of this falling man and he's looking up at the ring and he does not even acknowledge there is a man falling out of a window strapped to a chair the entire time. He, uh, maybe he grew up in the hood. He's used to saying that sort of stuff. <laughs> Just man falling out of a window stretch Everyday occurrence around here. Right. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, so great opening sequence. Great opening sequence of the film in in general. Uh, again, Michael Keaton's character, Billy Blaze, a lot of great sort of quotes throughout the movie. Uh, really enjoy the bit where he's breaking down the word. Did, did I already give a spoiler warning? Look, I'm sure there would have been one. Anyway, here it is. Spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. You've already heard some of it, but it was made. It came out in '82. You should have seen it by now, even though we had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Anyway, when he's breaking down the word prostitution. Yes, that's right. There is a reason for this, by the way. Um, I don't know if we should... Should we give a bit more background of the story first? As- yeah, let's give a bit of background of the story. So basically, you've got Henry Winkler's character because, you know, I don't know if Henry... I would say it was due to the fact that, obviously, Henry Winkler's a great actor, but also Ron Howard directed the film. Mm. They were together on... They worked together on Happy Days. Those happy days. They weren't all happy days. Uh, <laughs> and so Henry Winkler's in it. He's the main character. Uh, Chuck? Yeah, Chuck. And Chucky. Chucky. No. Well, around the same era, but... <laughs> was it an inspiration? Was it Probably an inspiration? not. Probably not. Uh, Chuck's the... You know, your stereotypical... I don't want to say loser, but he's a bit of a loser. He's pretty brow browbeaten, very quiet, doesn't like to make waves... Just yes. very, the it's, yeah, it's very different, I guess, contrast, especially, you know, from him playing Hey in Happy Days. Yeah. It was definitely Sit a, on it, it was a very uh, contra- contrasting character to uh oh, to the Fonz. Yeah, definitely very different from the Fonz. Hmm. But he It was actually I didn't even pick up on it straight away, like I should have done. But I didn't and it was actually my wife and she was like, Isn't that isn't that the Fonz? Yes. I was like, Oh shit, yes it is. It is the Fonz. And you know, he's he's kind of a bit of a shit kicker and he's you know gone from being this successful Wall Street guy, but it was too cutthroat for him and he was getting sales stolen out from under him and things like that. Mm. Because he was a nice guy. He was a nice, he was nice guy. guy. He just let nice. people walk nice all over him. Yeah. Nice guy to finish last. He was a doormat. And so he works, works in the morgue and he's been working- Of all places. Quiet down there. I actually think he remarks that it's quiet and that's why he likes it. Mm, that's it. He doesn't have to- Doesn't have to deal with people. Yeah, that's it. And so when he does- so he's doing that. He's been doing night shift for a little while, sort of covering, I guess, until they found someone to do. No, no, he's he'd been on day shift. Oh, he'd been on like an earlier shift, and then they were. He got put to day shift, and then the boss um, basically undercuts him and moves him back to night shift because his, his nephew, his nephew was his son-in-law. No, his nephew gets like a job, oh, yeah. and then his nephew's a little piece of shit as well. Like he just sits there, does nothing, and he's, he's like, "Oh, something. my uncle said you're going to fix it." It's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Anyway. So he's doing that, and then they find out. He finds out that he's going to be getting this new assistant or person helping with him, colleague to work with him on the night shift, which is Billy Blaze. Billy. And Billy Blaze comes in, great entrance, comes in, jumping jack flash, blaring, <laughs> singing along, well, bobbing along. He's got a cassette, he's got, got like a portable cassette, cassette Walkman. Yeah. Got the old 80s styles headphones on in like full 80s fashion as well. He's got like what? I can, what are they called? Like sports coats? I don't know. Not yeah. sports coat. Nah, sports coats are more fancy. They're the fancy ones. Like a blazer? I think it is. Nah, it's not a blazer. It's got like, um, I don't know, you see all the fucking kids in American high schools wearing them all the fucking time. Like a letterman sort of jacket. Like a, um, mm. like, like the football jacket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You always see like, you know, the, the jocks in American TV series and things TV like that. TV series and movies. movies and stuff. They're always wearing them. He comes in and he's like, yo, what's going on? Yeah. And he's, he, I'll stare off the back. He's a uh, outgoing, very like social butterfly, trying Tip. to make trying to make friends with Chuck straight away. Chuck, not having a bar of it. Yeah, they go through the motions of establishing their friendship, which sort of happens. He tells him he's always recording things on a little portable uh, dictaphone. Hence the edible paper. Yeah. Going through and just Put, you know putting down ideas. He's going to change the world with all these crazy notions and ideas. Because he's an idea man. And the whole time, though, at the same time, um, New Girl walks, moves into Chuck's uh, apartment block. Shelly Long. 
who well, played by Shelley Long. Played yeah. by Shelley Long. Um, who also happens to be a prostitute, which she met earlier in the movie when he had to go and she had to, pick she up had to, a pimp, I think it was. Yeah, and she had to like she was there to identify him or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, them all. And then, so they sort mm. of start talking. His wife's a bit of a fucking nutcase. Well, there's no fiance, 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 sorry. Fiance, fiance, fiance is a bit of, yeah. a, bit of a nutcase. Yeah, basically, they go into a bit of a thing. Um, she lost a pimp, so she starts getting roughed up and stuff. He starts becoming friends with her, and then re- then Billy comes up with a new business plan idea, which is fucking fantastic. Because he's no ideas, man. They're going to be their pimps. That's right. And the movie kind of takes care of itself, I guess, from the rest of there. Obviously, usual movie, up and downs. From Peaks there on out. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Goes well, doesn't go so well. Happy ending. Yeah, or happy days. Ooh. Hey. Ooh. So the break. The I love his part where he's breaking down the word prostitution, though. Back circling back to that now, uh, where he's he breaks it down and he's like, it's like sometimes it helps. He's always he's, he's prostitution. That's what, we're trying, to, that's what because Shelley Long characters brought all the other gals. I was going to say hoes, but yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, I was being respectful. Uh, brings them in because she's trying to she's trying to get them to do a basic sales pitch to them that they can be their pimp and actually look after them and shit like that. And so Billy decides to uh, pull out a blackboard out of nowhere. I think it's the only time you see a blackboard in the morning. In the whole thing. He's like, <laughs> uh, like, he's like, prostitution. We can talk about it. We're big kids now. <laughs> he's like, sometimes it helps you to understand a word more if you break it down. I love it. Pros? That doesn't mean anything. Just crosses it out. Now, you had a theory on that. Well, not theory. I think it was a missed opportunity, though, where obviously the word pros was just the P-R-O-S, which is also can also pronounce pros. I feel like it was a missed opportunity there where just crossing out saying, you know, it could have been pros. It's, it's all pros or something like that rather than just being like pros doesn't mean anything. I feel like it could have, could have turned it around a little bit more and... Could have added a little bit more to it, to him breaking down the word. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from there, but I also think it sort of helps make him seem a bit like a bit more of a bit of a goofball. Mm. Like he's he's obviously not read it as pros; he's read it just as pros, like the way it sounds. The way it's pronounced, yeah, he's, yeah, done it phonetically. Mm. And then he's got tit. We all, we all know about that one. It's like two, two, and point points to the tit. <laughs> it's like and shun from from the Latin word to. Push away or no, 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 I don't want any of that. Like, that doesn't even belong in this word. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was a good breakdown. It was a good breakdown. It was very, very funny. But uh, yeah, and then so they start becoming the pimps. Yeah, and they do the they do that, and then my, well, they don't they refer to them as pimps in there. They call them sugar daddies, don't they? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And Michael Keaton keeps stuffing tissues in to make himself look like he's got muscles. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, they take the, mor- the mortuary van is what they use as their pimp mobile to take to go pick up and drop girls off and things to clients. Yeah, and, the hearse. Yeah, because I think what before this we find out that Billy's actually been going out and yeah, using it to like drive kids to their prom nights and things like that. I think beforehand. he actually makes the remark, "It's a limo, isn't it?" And Chuck's like, "The limo for dead people." <laughs> Now, we'll sort of touch on the story, and we'll, I'm sure we'll circle back to that final off the, uh, the end of the movie. Thing, but how did it perform at the box office? It actually performed pretty well at the box office. Um, I don't actually have a budget on what they spent, but it did make $21.1 million at the box office, which is uh, pretty good. It's not pretty bad. Good. I mean, what was it, 82? Yeah, 82. So, you know, really, 
pretty good. Not bad at all. It also um, had quite some good songs as well that played throughout. As well as Jumping Jack Flash. As well as, yeah, it was, it was a live version of Jumping Jack Flash as well. Because I thought I was like listening, I was like, this sounds a little bit I'm like, oh, it's a live version. Cool. Yeah. Um, also had um, cover of You Really Got Me performed by Van Halen. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Um, Any other notable ones in there? Yeah, so uh, there was actually, so not the song Night Shift, which is placed during the opening credits, done by Quarter Flash. Yeah. Not so, not so much as well known. Um, had a bit of Rod Stewart in there, though. That's what Friends Are For. That plays during the closing credits as well. That that song, That's yeah. What Friends Are For. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there were some cameos in the film as well definitely I mean yeah I guess given it's early nature they were people that I guess ended up becoming bigger later on yep um, one of the bigger ones being Kevin Costner who who is uh, very very well credited as frat boy number one well at least he's number one that's it the one I liked though was a very small role again but it was by uh, Vincent uh, Schiavelli Who's the bloke who is delivering him a sandwich? Uh, ch- at the chuck end. At the end. Because I saw him and I was like, hey, he looks familiar. A bloke that's never taken on any large roles, but over time, he's definitely played his fair share of smaller roles in quite a number of movies. Yeah, he's in Ghost as well. I was trying to figure out where I remembered him from or where I knew him from. And he's in Ghost. He actually, he's the, the ghost on the train that like basically abuses and chases Patrick Swayze off the train yes yes I remember that scene now yeah so I remember you saying Ghost Before and I was like I couldn't really remember it yes no that, that's, I do remember that that's where I knew him from I was like oh that seems familiar yeah like he's been in like a whole bunch of random stuff like he was in uh, Batman Returns uh, again with Michael Keaton um, I mean that's more he played the organ grinder which is just one of um, Penguin's henchmen yep um he appeared as a villain in Tomorrow Never Dies, James Bond. Mm-hmm. But, like, he has a very, like, crazy thing. In lots of TV shows. He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, he was in X-Files as well. But, like, look at that. Yeah, I, can his... see, I can see you've got his filmography open there, and it's huge. Mm. But he's never had... Yeah, I mean, he just takes smaller roles. I mean, I think more prominently, I think he is, you know, he's married to a musician. Probably more of a hobby for him than anything. Hobby that pays pretty well. <laughs> yes, right, yeah, he's been married since 1992 to an American harpist called uh, Carol McCallion. So that's a good tenure. That's his tenure. second marriage. Apparently, he met his first wife on the on the who played a, on Moonlighting, which I'm pretty sure was the TV show, wasn't it? The TV show yeah. that Bruce Willis was in before he hit yeah, big he with Die Hard. That's right. And that's what we we sort of spoken about Michael Keaton's comedic chops in the movie. Uh, but there's, there's a few there's a few really good like hilarious moments with Henry Winkler as well. Oh, certainly like, he has some really good ones. Like when he's in the when he's in um, I keep forgetting her name, uh, Shelley Long's character. It's um, uh, Bel- uh, that was right. Her name was Belinda, and I thought it was funny because her last name was Keaton. <laughs> when he's in Belinda's apartment and she's making him eggs and she's in her underwear. Oh, he's on the phone look, to his fiance. Looked pretty good in the underwear. I'll, I'll give her that. Old Chili Long. She was she was pulling it off pretty well. And he's on the phone to his fiance, and he's like, he said, he said, what does he say? He's like, he's like, oh my god, or something like that. Yeah, because she's uh, like l- reaching up, up his little stiff letter, like reaching up, you know, and and then 
his fiance is obviously like, you know, what? Like, oh, I stepped on a tack. And then he's like, love you, bye. Sort of trailing off. Like, yeah, doesn't even, phone, doesn't yeah, even misses, yeah, misses the receipt. And then when they're having breakfast, when they actually are having breakfast, and she's like talking about how like how like warm it is in the apartment and stuff. He's like, yeah, it is getting pretty warm in here. And he like patting himself, like patting the sweat off with a bit of bread. Mm. That made me laugh. No, definitely good. Definitely had the funny moments in it. As far as comedy goes, I guess it was it wasn't like a flat out getting to end where it's just full of gags and laughs, but it has a solid story to back it up. Yeah, it had a great story, and it has the advantage of, yeah, just some great little gags and jokes in there. Mm. Like, towards the end where uh, Michael Keaton's working in that club mm. where all the prostitutes are and stuff. Yeah, and he's like a little jungle like boy with his, Yeah, with his fucking Tarzan sash and shit. And he's trying to play off that he's, he's doing better than he is to Chuck, and he's like, I practically run this place. Some random guy walks past, and he's like, hey, fix that strap, pal. And the guy's like, get bed. And he goes, hey, that's it. You're out of here, buddy. Clean out your locker. Mm. There's also um, during um, all that scene where they're in that club as well. I want to know, I wasn't too sure, but potentially one of the first instances where he's like, he does something, he falls off the balcony and he hits the ground and they're like, oh no, Billy, are you okay? He's like, no, it's okay. Luckily the ground broke my fall. Yeah. Very common. People have used it, but I would like to know, is that where that that phrase got See, I thought the same thing. Popular. He, he jumps off the balcony. Hmm. to come to Chuck's defence. And then he's like, luckily the ground broke my fall. I don't remember hearing it before then. Hmm. To be fair, we didn't exist then. We didn't exist then. But I don't know. I can't think of a movie that was made prior to that where it was used that I've no, seen that's anyway. not, No, that I've, not that I've seen anyway, yeah. Because definitely as soon as you said it, I was just like, oh, I was did, like, holy get, shit, is that where that came from? You do hear it and you do hear variations on it as well. Hmm. Like, uh, I think it's in Joe Dirt where he's like, luckily my <laughs> neck broke my fall. <laughs> Uh, let's put a little knee on the end sometime, you know. Makes sound French. Jotete. Jotete. Fuck, I hope that's in the hats. We're getting better at that. That was good. <clears throat> I must say, though, the film, I feel like, did have a bit of a lull, I guess, more coming into, like, the last third of the movie. It did slow down a little bit. I don't want to go into it too much, because... We've touched on a lot of the story. And I, I still want people to. I want people to go out and watch it because it is definitely a movie very worth your time watching. Hundred percent worth watching. Um, I feel like yeah, story maybe slowed down just a little bit. It does. Due to events that happened. The bit where they could, yeah, then it picked back up and it still did have a good ending. Yeah, definitely did. One person we haven't mentioned that's actually in it though is is it Richard Belzer? Uh yes, Richard Belzer. Richard Belzer, who most people would know from his time on Law and Order. He's the older sort of guy with the, that always wears the, the little glasses. And his character was the, one of the uh, the higher-up pimps or whatever that was trying to rack it in on the city and ended up throwing the guy out of the window. That's right. He's one of the first two. Um, he's like, well, he's not a pimp, is he? He's the, he's the muscle for, for the another, mob. And for, for the mob, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's right. I was wondering, yeah, because I looked at him, I was like... I've seen him some shit. Funnily enough, he is credited as, as Richard Belzer as Pig. Pig. That was his Good character's name. Good muscle, I guess. Uh, I'm assuming that Grand L. Bush must have been his offsider or his partner in crime. He got a much better name, by the way. It was Mustafa, so... <laughs> Mustafa. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh... Yeah, great, great film, and I really love the. I think there's one that one line in it that I'll, I will probably continue to use now, which is the bit where. Luckily, the ground broke my fall. That one, <laughs> <laughs> that that'll get a bit of a show. I want to have had a few too many beers, I reckon, and 
you are some kind of guy. Mm, no, it's definitely, definitely a movie worth watching. If you haven't seen it, 100%, you should do yourself a favor, as Molly would say. We're going to have to end up getting him on the show if we keep using his line. He's always going to sue us for copyright. But yeah, certainly, I would definitely recommend watching that. Um, I guess just in regards to that, uh, Wrinkler was nominated for Best Wrinkler. Actor. Yeah, someone's like Bunar in there. All right. That's- He's not that old. <laughs> Not at that age. Not, not, that, that, not at stage. that stage anyway, he wasn't. Uh, but he, yeah, he was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Actor in Emotion, Picture, Musical Comedy. Um, and Keaton actually won the Kansas City Film Critics Circle Award for Best Supporting Actor in that. So Good on him. Yeah, good on him. All right. Now we've got to rate this. True. Um, I guess before we rate it, because it actually did receive some quite good reviews. It actually holds um, a solid 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually quite good. Um, there's also, as well, that um, the Chicago reader Jonathan Rosenbaum compared Night Shift to the subsequent comedy film Risky Business. Film, haven't you seen it? The name sounds familiar, but I don't think I actually mm. watched it from start to finish. Uh, it's a film that also dealt with the theme of prostitution. He said that Night Shift isn't as snappily directed or as caustically conceived but it's arguably just as sexy and almost as funny after that one to check out as well um but i think this one I, I sort of agree with not so much she said this is janet maslin of the new york times said that it was a halfway funny movie that bullshit it was a funny movie one that's got loads of good gags in its first half and nothing but trouble in its second half which is bullshit as as i did say before I there found towards the end it does have a bit of a lull, but I wouldn't say that ruined the whole movie. No, there's still great bits the whole way through. Oh, definitely. And I think as well, I mean, we really did. Like, here we go. We've got another bloke, uh, Gene Siskel from the Chicago Tribune. Gave the film two stars out of four. Um, and how Keaton's performance as superb comic performance. And that based on this one role, I would now pay to see Keaton in just about anything. He did go on to say anything except Night Shift. It was a backhanded compliment. It, it is, it? isn't it? It is. What a fucking dog. Uh, but, yeah, I would say... I. It's a hard one, because like, I did like it and everything else, but... But, look, I myself personally, I would give the movie three and a half red lights out of five. Out of five? I was thinking the same. Between three and a half and four. Mm. I, I'd be leaned to four. There's that little bit of a lull which would have pushed me to four if it wasn't De- in there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But, yeah, three and a half... And that's a solid score. Hmm. Which is good. Which means, moving on. Barreling right along now Ooh, to Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. Yeah, you like that one? That you was like good. That I like one? that one. Yeah. I'm a fan of that. No. We'll pay that. Look, got a bit of a shit-eating grin on my face now. He does have I came up with one, guys. More so than normal. He does have a shit-eating grin on his face. But um, I guess more specific- specifically, fuck, I hate that word. Um, Donkey Kong Country. Specificality. <laughs> fuck you should really hate that word. <laughs> yeah, Donkey Kong Country. So, okay, so what? Going from nine eight to up to nineteen ninety four now. Yeah, it's a big jump. Did you just try and calculate that in your head? No, I was just like, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to follow what you're talking about. Like, like Donkey Kong Country ran from nineteen eighty two to nineteen ninety four. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> That's not right. That's not right. Go back. I uh, know it was released twenty first November nineteen ninety four. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, very successful game. Yeah, well, I, have a, I mean, I have a lot of fond memories of playing it when I was a kid. And I've even got a copy of it at home now, and I play it every now and again. I'm actually pretty sure your son played it at my house one time when you guys came over. I think he did, actually. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Here you go, James. 
have a go with this old mate. Have a go with this old one. And he's like, he's like, are there hacks for it, mate? Mate, this is Super Nintendo. <laughs> you got to learn a lot of buttons. You got to learn a lot of buttons, and you would have a very fucking good memory. We well, actually need to learn a lot of buttons. It usually look like one or two. Yeah, Donkey Kong Country, good two uh, D side scroller for back in the day. Well, it's still a platformer, so yeah. Yeah, 2D, platformer, side-scroller. Mm. Just, well, it's more platformer if you can go backwards and forwards and do all the other weird shit you do. You used to like getting the... or still do. Enjoy getting the rhino. Mm-hmm. You get the rhino and you just fucking charge through shit. It's good and it's, it's seen uh, good. Well, the fact that Nintendo's been able to go back to it as well. Because they've obviously released subsequent games and they haven't really deviated from the original formula they used for Donkey Kong Country. You're still... Still a platform, you're still side scrolling. Um, obviously, they've added a few other things into it, like you can go into foreground, background, and go all over the place a bit more. Yeah, and I mean, Donkey else. Kong 64 deviated from that a bit. It wasn't a side scroller so much, it was more three dimensional. Yeah, right, okay. That was in the same era when they were doing like Mario 64, yeah, so they were trying to do shit trying to make it 3D. Populars. But yeah, for the most part, it has been a 2D side scroller. Because mm, I, when I got the Switch, I got Country Tropical Freeze with that. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, that is just a souped up Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. Well, it's still called Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's obviously a more modernized version of it. Mm. But how did you find that? Because yeah, I have I've only played the old one. It's good. Um, challenging still, which is good, which is what you want out of those sort of games. They need to be challenging, I think. Otherwise, you can, you can just run from one end to the other. And just a few years to like hop, skip, and jump away from getting to the other end of the level to complete it. Yeah. It's a pretty shit game. And it's all about timing. Them sort of games are all mm. about timing. You gotta learn to time everything perfectly when you do a run. Mm. And then you can get like you can swap between characters on there as well. You know, you got your Diddy Kong. Which you could do in yeah. the original Donkey Kong Country, but you can only cha- I think you can only change from Donkey Kong to Diddy Kong. Yeah, right. Okay, so they've got um, like I, I don't know their names. Old Old Man Kong is what I'm going to call him, and Sheila Kong. Sheila Kong. Which is definitely also the names. So I'm pretty sure they all start with D's. They all they all double D's. Yeah, I like double D's. I was wondering if you were going to pick up on that one. Oh man, I'll always pick up on double D's. Uh, but yeah, you can swap and switch between them, obviously, and then depending on which one you're playing as as well, you can switch over and obviously they have their own benefits to what they can do, which can help you get to extra areas, secrets and shit like that as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so which, is, which is awesome. Mm. And you said Dixie Kong and Cranky Kong are the other ones. The elderly ones, oh, Cranky, cranky Kong. Oh, Cranky, Cranky. And uh, so that's CD, compact mm. disc, mate. Uh, and Dixie Kong's obviously the girl. Uh, but yeah, I remember playing, trying to go through, trying to collect the letters, getting the K-O-N-G. Yeah. Uh, the barrels, getting into the barrels and shooting everywhere, which mm. was a bit of a nightmare sometimes. Finding all the little hidden secret areas and bonus levels and, That's it. and shit. That's one thing I love about those sort of games. That they put them in there, you got to find those little secrets and hidden areas that you can get to. And the weird shit that you usually have to try and pull off some spectacular sort of jump with the timing and everything else, as you mentioned before, about to actually get to it. Yeah, and I mean, when we were kids, you know, the in- the internet was non-existent, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Might as well have uh, not been might there. Might as well have been there. So you didn't have, you know, walkthroughs and things like that. You had to find shit and then go go to school and be like, oh, you're playing Donkey Kong. Have you, have you fucking done this? And then they'd be like, oh, no, I haven't done that. And you're like, oh, yeah, do this. And then they go, oh, fuck. That's pretty mm. much a conversation to how they used to go. 
That is. That's actually very true. And I think there, that's something definitely lost on the younger generation now. Everything's You've actually made me, you made me a little bit, uh, a little bit sad about that, actually. It's, yeah. It's uh, sad that that's not around anymore. It, it is sad because it was so much fun. That's like when I, when I do get a new game now, I try to avoid any videos, any mm. sort of walkthroughs, anything like that, unless I get really, really stuck. And that's but it. I tried- like, even I was thinking just then, like, even I'm guilty of that, like... What was I playing? I was only playing The Outer Worlds earlier today. And I took a bit of time and probably not as much time as I could or should. And I gave in and took the easy option. I just Googled it. I was like, how do I get these fucking key cards? Right. To be fair, they were a little bit hidden. But with a bit more time and exploration, could have got to them myself. You, would, I don't think you got as far in Assassin's Creed Odyssey as I have. Where you've got the two sisters and they're twins. One's the High Priestess. No, definitely have not. So I wanted to make sure I picked the right one because I wanted to make sure that my, my guess was correct, mm. which it was. They, they end up fighting and at each other's throats. Mm. And you have to pick which one you want to kill. So I Googled it just to make sure I was 100% right. And then wasn't concentrating. You'd still pick the fucking wrong one. I had to reload mm. my save to fix it. I think, yeah, well, that's the other thing as well with games these days, though. That like, so much of it before when we spoke about Bioshock that games are going down or have gone down the path of having multiple end- endings and there can be, I think, more so now, not just from multiple endings, but there can also be different ramifications from actions that you choose within a game as well. I think like that's the next stage of just having multiple endings within the game without necessarily changing the ending itself. It can change other things that happen within the world whilst you're playing. That you- yeah. Yeah. And I found myself, like when I get major especially with, with outer worlds when we're playing through that fair bit lately um you always get to the end of something and you do you have to make these big decisions and i'm there i'm like fuck you want to make the right one what well, i want to make the right one i also want to know what i'm going to get out of it though depending on which path i choose yeah hmm. some of the things were cool though i did find out necessarily there wasn't always just the two options that i was presented with sometimes there it was a third which was cool i'm sure we'll do an episode on that at some stage anyway because uh, if we don't get back to Donkey Kong, Chronoxus might fight us. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe hunt us down. Hunt us down and kill us. So, yeah, so obviously, yeah, we talked to touch on the great hidden levels and hidden things in in the worlds, which is great. Uh, the collectibles as you go along, getting all the right things. One of my favourite memories is the minecart level, which a lot of people hate because it is a real pain in the ass of the level. Mm. So you end up in the mine carts and you've got to like time your jumps and everything so you stay on the tracks and avoid enemies and shit like that. That's funny because I don't know if I remember doing this at your house now, playing it one time, or whether or not maybe it was. Did we, 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 we do, do that? the minecart level? We didn't. Okay, that means then it must be in tropical freeze as well. Yeah, because it is a kind of level, mm. but it's fun. Oh, I think they do it more than once. Yeah, I think it's, it's a bit of a reoccurrence in tropical freeze. They're like, you guys hated that. Well, guess what? Get some more of it. It's like escort missions in games. It's like, you hate escort missions? Have all the escort missions. That's it. Get this person to this place. They also, die. they're dumb as fuck, and they get shot a lot. Hmm. Cool. Thanks. No, big fan of Donkey Kong Country. Well, Donkey Kong series as well as massive. I think you and I both have, in our, in our when we play Mario Kart, Donkey Kong is our go-to. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Definitely. DK is definitely my go-to character. He's faster. He's faster, he holds the track better because he's bigger, knocks smaller characters off. Mm. Also, has the best celebration when he wins. True. Stands up one foot on the fucking front mm. of the car, beating his chest and shit. You know, that's that, he's, that man likes to celebrate. Fucking, he's off his head. And although this was, this is, 
Donkey Kong Country was gave birth to the Donkey Kong that we know now. Because That's obviously true. before that we had the you had the one where it was the Don- actual Donkey Kong game, the arcade style one, where you were mm. Mario or Jumpman, and <laughs> that was his name. Uh, was it? Yeah. Oh, that's... And... <laughs> and like, I'm just thinking, like, the developer's base like, so yeah, I've got this guy that, uh... I'm sure that was his name. He's got to jump name. around and he's got to get up the top there and try and save this fucking ditzy bitch that we got up the top. What are we going to call him? Uh, no, he's doing a lot of jumping. That's great. Jump man. Right, that, was a, that was a big brainstorm sesh. Yeah, so he was originally named Mr. Video, and then later Jumpman, and then eventually. So did Jumpman? Okay, so did Jumpman then come from people playing the game just because he's jumping like that? Or I can see that coming more from people playing the game being like, "Oh, he does his jump," so we're going to call him Jumpman. Well, that was originally the, one of the the titles that he was given. Okay. And the damsel in dis- distress that he's rescuing is not Peach. A lot of people think it's Peach. It's not Peach, which is great because Peach is a stupid bitch. Eh, I don't like Peach. Didn't pick up on that at all. Her name's Pauline. Oh, really? Yep. Or originally her name was Lady. They were not very original at the start. They, they were not like they <laughs> Jumpman, like- Lady, and then Donkey Kong, obviously at the top, who was throwing down the barrels. What? Yeah. You know what? What Donkey Kong? I, think like, I get the Kongs bit. The Kong bit's like a play on King Kong, obviously. Yeah, obviously. I get that. Why Donkey? I don't know. I don't know why they, why he was called Donkey Kong. Why he got the name Donkey. Yeah, I don't know where it comes from. But the idea behind the... I mean, it's obviously a play on, you know, the King Kong thing where you're climbing up and everything like that. Uh, one second. I'd never actually even thought about that. Holy shit. Because you're climbing up to save yeah, the woman. Yeah. yeah. So the reason he's called Donkey Kong is because Miyamoto, one of the guys from Nintendo, or the guy that actually came up with uh, Donkey Kong himself, is... So it's Sh- Shigeru... Miyamoto I butchered that but anyway so uh, Shigeru Miyamoto that's better uh, <laughs> that's right that's what three and a half years of Japanese will get you woo you can pronounce weird names correctly anyway so let's start this again so the reason he's called Donkey Kong is Shigeru Miyamoto uh, Shigeru Miyamoto you did it better yeah, it's up for debate <laughs> we'll get someone from Japan here now. they'll probably tell us we're both very wrong both H- horrific uh, so use the word obviously the Kong part comes from King Kong that's we've established that the donkey to convert uh, is to convey stubbornness basically so the name Donkey Kong was intended to convey stubborn ape to the American audience run that by me again there's meant to be a stubborn ape and donkeys are stubborn so they're called him Donkey Kong is that essentially what you just said that's exactly what I just said cool yeah so that's how that that's how that came to be but it's funny because if you go back like yeah, Donkey Kong originally Donkey Kong, original Donkey Kong. It's he's the bad guy, but in Donkey Kong Junior, uh, Mario's or Jumpman is the bad guy because he's got Donkey Kong chained up in the cage, and Donkey Kong Junior is trying to save his dad from being in a cage. Dick move, Mario. That is a dick move. And people, you don't put people's dads in a cage unless they pay you good money to do that. Do you reckon they'll just like a whole bunch of like PVC pipe? No, they weren't, and they weren't even green pipes. That would have been excellent, but. PVC pipes though, like a whole bunch of white PVC pipes is what the cage is made out. Is a plumber, yeah, exactly. Maybe. I hope not. It's not. It's, it's fucking. It's, it's fucking gorilla. He can it's bust like out of that shit pretty pink, easy. Pink, pinky red neon sort of cage. No. So Donkey Kong before that looked different. The 
and then in Donkey Kong Country we've got the the DK that we know now, and then they've just sort of improved the the way he's drawn and the, the graphics and everything has have sort of helped him become a better a better looking character. One thing that that is of worth of note we are discussing Donkey Kong is Donkey Kong sixty four. You mm-hmm. used a ga- a game shark to try and cheat the game, which was pretty. I, I remember game sharks. Game shark. I actually, you know what? I'll dig it out somewhere. I'll actually put a photo up of my game shark book, which has like it's an old nineties game shark with all the codes and everything in it. Awesome. We'll do that. If you use the game shark codes, I would try to use game shark to cheat the system, and then saved your game. It was the worst thing you could do because that game was ruined forever. She cooked. The actual cartridge was fucked because I don't know if you remember or not, but on N sixty four, that actually uh, saved yeah. to the cartridge or as well because mm. you know you had the extra expansion for the memory pack and the rumble pack. The same with the Game Boys as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it had mm. saved to the actual cartridge. So if it caught you cheating, it would mean any items you picked up didn't count, like it wouldn't actually add them to your items list. You only had one you had a one hit chance, so like you had no health, you got hit once, you died. Fuck. And it would just randomly fuck up like you would we go to jump on something and he'd just like sink like a stone or and like the game would just completely pull itself apart and fuck. shit itself. Have you ever seen that video where them guys have like a tumble dryer going and they throw a brick in it and mm. the thing starts pulling itself apart? It's basically what the game does. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen that on YouTube, YouTube that shit because it's hilarious. So going off what what you've mentioned mm-hmm. So, before we get into, like, Donkey Kong Country and stuff like that, and mentioning, you know, where DK started off. So, the next game after Donkey Kong was Donkey Kong Jr. As far as an arcade standpoint, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, this is where it gets crazy. So, you know, so Donkey Kong Jr. is now trying to save Donkey Kong, original Donkey Kong, from the first game. Correct. And then, so Cranky Kong is meant to be the original Donkey Kong. No wonder he's cranky. <laughs> no shit. Put in a cage yeah. and shit. And then ultimately as he comes in, he's now known as modern Donkey Kong's grandfather and father. I normally like playing as Diddy Kong, if I'm being completely honest. As far as like playing through Donkey Kong, he just jumps better and moves better. Who, Diddy? Yeah, because he's smaller. Diddy though? Yeah, he did. Right. I thought Very good. Very good. <laughs> Not P Diddy. Yeah. That's cool. There's actually quite a lot of uh, lore going on there. And then and it's good that they've kept it all in line like that. Oh, shit. Hang on. Let me count these up. One, two, three, four, five, six. Well, I may have missed one or miscounted there, but I've got 31 Donkey Kong titles there. Yeah, that makes sense. He's, Do you uh, include things like uh, Diddy Kong Racing and Donkey Kong Countries 1, 2, and 3? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, they're all there. And then Tropical Freeze. Donkey Kong Land? Donkey Kong Land, I don't remember that one. No. Donkey Kong 64. Yep. The original Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. You've got Mario versus Donkey Kong. Mario gets in everything. I guess he's the poster boy for uh, Nintendo. But He is, isn't he? Yeah. He's their Crash Bandicoot. True. True. Or Sonic for Sega. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, definitely. I always... Yeah, Mario and Sonic, definitely... From and then when they got to play together so and they there. did like, the fucking Mario and Sonic tennis and shit. Or Olympics or something. Did they? Yeah, they did something like that. Yeah, right. That's crazy. You'd never think something like that would happen in... Especially when... When the war between Sega and Nintendo, Nintendo yeah. was so fierce. Yeah, no, I don't know. For some reason, I thought Sony for a second. And it's because Sony don't like 
playing well with others. They don't play well with others. I love my, I love Sony, but they Actually, they really need to get off their high horse when it comes to cross-platforming. They do. I was actually uh, playing a trivia game with my wife and sister-in-law, and one of the questions, one of the last questions that we got asked, we got asked, which I think helped me win the game on one of the rounds that we played, was what was the last console released by Sega, and my brain stupidly went straight to Sega Saturn, but then I was like, no, Sega Dreamcast. Nice. Um, here we go. Just go. Cut all that out because that was rambling shit. <laughs> To trying to fill time while you were doing what you were looking at. So the old uh, the Saturday Supercade was uh, Mario, uh, not not Mario. So it was Donkey Kong's first appearance on a television series. So it has Donkey Kong voiced by Supi Sales, who has escaped from the circus, and Mario. Mario voiced by Peter Cullen. Do you know who Peter Cullen voices most iconically? Not Mario. Definitely not Mario. He's the voice of Optimus Prime. Isn't he the voice of Predator as well? He does the Predator sound effects for Predator. Oh, look, potentially. But very Peter Cullen is. He is Optimus Prime. Prime. Since, ever since it was made back in the 80s, the cartoon series. And he did, he did for all the movies as well. Because he's not, obviously not the normal voice for Mario. Because I've, I've seen a video with the guy that does the voice of Mario and how he got the, how he got the job. He basically went in there and he thought he was auditioning for something else. And they were like, you, um, you're an Italian plumber. And he's like, oh, I'm not ready for this. He's like, I didn't mention anything about plumbing. I just did a, a really bad Italian accent. And I was making the pizza. Like, what are you going to do to make a pizza? And I was like, this sort of shit. <laughs> well, they, actually, I think I've seen that interview. Uh, yes. and, then they, and they gave him the job. And he was just like, cool. This is my <laughs> life now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's escaped from the circus and Mario and Pauline. Hey. And they're chasing him down. And as in the original game, Donkey Kong will often grab Pauline and Mario has to save her. Cool. There's a nod to that in um, Mario Odyssey as well. Yeah, right. There's a level in New Donk City where you've got to go climb up and Donkey Kong's throwing shit at you. Yeah, he's definitely an, inf- an influential character. Oh, yeah. Like, later on, he goes in late 90s, 97, 98. He um, got a two-season series based off Donkey Kong Country, so he did spawn his own TV show. Nice. Directly from that game. And of course, he's obviously a huge inf- influence on pop culture because the common phrase, it's on like Donkey Kong. That's true. That's true. He, yeah, I mean, fuck, I use that quite regularly. And I don't even think about it when I say it. It's like, it's on, it's on, like Donkey Kong. Right. And we don't even know why this Donkey Kong was on. He was always on. Just on. But definitely, he would definitely be up there with one of the more well-known... You try not to use the word iconic, because we use that word a lot. No, one of the more well-known and, I guess, easily recognisable video game characters. Like, if you show someone a picture of him, they will be able to tell you who he is. Yeah, to be fair, he has, like, a tag around his neck usually that says DK on it. So That's true. It's a big clue. Drift King. <laughs> Drift King. <laughs> He's a Drift King. You seen Mario Kart? Up, fucking Mario Kart. Basically, all we're saying is Donkey Kong Country, great game, gave birth. Even though Donkey Kong Arcade, I guess you could say, gave birth to the series, but I think Donkey Kong Country is what really cemented mm, it as a own series. Yeah, that's it. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, de- the Donkey Kong Country is definitely which set him apart and made him his own thing, his own character. Mm. So, definitely a great series. Well, basically, the two points we're making are Donkey Kong Country is great, gave birth to the series. Again, argument could be made that Donkey Kong started the series, but it's Donkey Kong Country that cemented its legacy. Definitely. Two, 
always use Donkey Kong when you play Mario Kart. You should. should. Look, if, to, to be fair, you can use Bowser. Bowser does work as well, but Donkey Kong cool. It is true. All right, so Donkey Kong Country, especially overall, I would give it. King Command, if you don't use bananas as your break. That's what scale. I was going to use it for, but I was trying to think how many. Four bananas. Four bananas out of five. Yeah, I'll give Donkey Kong Country four bananas. I don't know if getting more because it's a fucking hard game to beat. It is hard. It's very it's fucking very frustrating. It's cool. <laughs> to, not- for, to its credit, it should probably get more because of that, but no. It's not it can quite, make me very angry. It's not quite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Super Nintendo hard, but it's still very hard. From Mario being a douche, we're going to move on to the Mighty Boosh. Yeah, that rhymes. It does rhyme. You could have just fucking been like, from Mario being a douche to Howard Moon being a douche, because fucking I... Th- or, even better, you could have gone from Donkey Kong to his no-way-related cousin, Bolo. <laughs> Look, any of those would have worked. Uh, because Mighty Bush did feature a talking gorilla called Bolo, who was uh, Naboo's familiar. There you go. Hmm. He fucking hated Howard Moon. The character or the person that played the character? No, no, he didn't know. So the character Bolo, which is the gorilla, which is Naboo's familiar, just doesn't like Howard. That's why he leaves him in the sand. Hmm. Hmm. Help. Yeah. Well, that's why he gets, why he gets Vince out first. Yeah. <laughs> Too late for you. Too late for you. I must save him. He's like, he's, he's, a deli- he's like a delicate flower or something like that. <laughs> um, my bush had such a... I feel like it had a very massive impact when it came out. Um, on, I guess, that weird comedy style that they had. Yeah, I do remember a lot of people talking about it when it first came out. Because I haven't seen a lot of Mighty Bush. My uh, knowledge is going to be fairly limited for this, this portion. But I've, I have seen some, some episodes and bits and pieces of others. But yeah, it was huge when... When I was at school, there were always people talking about it. Because mm, I found in regards to the Mighty Boosh, one comparison that can be made, I guess, is between the way that the Mighty Boosh and Flight of the Concords. Right. And I found, depending on which one you started watching first, would determine whether you liked the other one or not. That makes sense. I, I saw Mighty Boosh first. I wasn't a big fan of the Flight of the Concords just because I felt like I was watching an attempt at trying to do the Mighty Bush. Yeah. Yeah. See, I watched Fly of the Concords first, but I can still appreciate Mighty Bush. Um, in fairness, though, I, was, I checked it. They, they both started in 1998, and they were yeah. very opposite sides of the world. Yeah. Uh, this started out differently, though. So Mighty Bush started off as a stage show. I, I really don't know how Fly of the Concords started off. I'm pretty sure they started out as two comedians, and they did, like, musical mm. gigs and stuff like that. And cause I remember seeing... The way, the way I got introduced to the Fly of the Concords was uh, seeing them on Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And then... Yeah, okay, yep. And then I found their show and watched their show after that. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Mighty Bush actually started off as a stage show for a couple of years, so 98 and 99, they first being the Mighty Bush, and then mm-hmm. doing Arctic Bush, um, before they also then did um, radio as well. Yeah, a radio show. Yeah, they did a radio show before finally going onto TV in 2004. Nice. Um, and became, I guess, a bit of a, a cult classic, really, in regards to it. Very highly revered by the people that like it. Oh, yeah. It's definitely got a, a, a solid following. Mm. I think because they do similar things like they got the, the music. Usually, you know, Flight of Concords will have like some sort of musical thing go on during an episode. During the episode. Mighty Bush always usually had some sort of musical song thing happen during an episode as well. Yeah. I will say, even though it's really related, well, it is sort of. One of, I will say, 
one of my favourite Flight of the Concords bits from a, one of their episodes and one of their songs is The Most Beautiful Girl in the Room. Do you know that song? Maybe. I don't mind some of their songs. I find their show really hard to watch, but I don't mind their songs, yeah. <laughs> but to the songs... Because like the whole song starts out, like they basically talk about how beautiful this girl is. And then he's like, like, You're so beautiful. You could be a part-time model. But you probably have to keep your regular job. <laughs> it's great. It's good. Uh, look, I have it confirmed. Uh, Monty Birch was TV series definitely before Fly of the Concords had their own TV series. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, Fly of the got a BBC radio series in 2004, uh, but they didn't actually have a TV series until 2007, which, funnily enough, is I'm pretty sure the year that Monty Birch went off the air. There you go. On TV, so... Monty Bush first people. Maybe they are the the key and peel to Monty Bush's Chappelle show. Ooh. Ooh. That's a solid comparison. Oh, it's been sketch comedy shows around for long before Chappelle, though. Yeah, but like an all-black one with the mm. kind of humour they were dealing with. True. True. But, yeah, if you haven't seen the Monty Bush, um, in Australia you can. It's available on Stand to Watch, which is where I've been re-watching it all uh, since I've Not been a sponsor. Stand. But not a sponsor, but if you want to see it, I would highly recommend jumping on there and watching it. First season probably isn't their strongest, which is strange, I guess. Uh, um, not really. A lot of TV shows, first seasons, they sort of just finding their feet, mm. and then they hit their stride after the after the, the first season, second True. season. True. Oh, definitely. Second in. series, I think, would be my favourite. It's, it's real hard for me to tell to toss up between second and third series. One thing I do like about those, it's always a different setting for each series. So, in the first series, they are, like, caretakers at a zoo. At the zoo, yeah, and the bear breaks out. And I remember that episode where the bear breaks out and you're like, fucking shit up. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the second episode, they second live... Season. What? Second series. Second season, yeah. Yeah. What did I say? Second episode. No, nah, no, nah, definitely still in the zoo in the second episode. Uh, in the second season, they are living in an apartment with Naboo and Bolo. Mm-hmm. And then in the third season, they're, they're running... Naboo's shop, which I think is like the Naboo Porium or something like that. So the second season's where the crack fox must come in. Ooh. Because they're in like a, an apartment sort of thing. Yeah, quite well. I know the second series also has old Greg in it, which is probably another one of their more iconic episodes. Yeah, because I, I only know, you know, I know some sort of bits and pieces. I remember the bear breaking out. I know, I know old Greg. I know the crack fox. And I know the soup song. I don't know the soup song. I don't know it word for word, but I know of the soup song. Oh, they've got many songs that are crimping. Crimping's fucking great. Just like whenever fucking Vince and Howard just start start rapping together. They like do it all in sync and shit. It's meant to be like impromptu. Like they just start doing it. No practice beforehand. They just all yeah. of a sudden they're like rapping and they'll do their own little bit and then they'll go back and they're rapping the same shit together at the same time. It's fucking awesome. That's awesome. Uh, but well, yeah, so it started and featuring uh, by both Julian Barrett and Noel Fielding, which is three stage shows. And then a six-episode radio series, uh, which then ended up hitting 20 television episodes for them as well on BBC Three between 2004 and 2007. They've done two live tours of the UK, um, as well as two live shows in the United States. Um, and they've even been to Australia with their show as well, which is how... This, and this must have been when they did their first two shows, because that is how uh, Michael Fielding, Noel Fielding's brother, he joined them on the Australian leg of that tour... 
and that's how he became Naboo. There you go. And then he decided he decided to live in Australia for a while after that, didn't he? Yeah, he apparently stayed in Australia for a year, and he has been quoted as having the time of his life. It is true. If if you are listening to this overseas, Australians are fucking sick. It's a great country. That's right. Uh, apparently, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Mock Fielding and his best friend. After doing that, decided to live in Australia after the tour. Um, when Niles commented that his brother and friend only lived here for a year, but they had the time of their life. Um, and funny enough, it's also uh, because of Michael um, that the show got its name. So apparently during school, because of his hair, um, one of Michael's... Um, well, Noel said one of his Portuguese friends described his hair as looking like a mighty bush. Right, mighty bush, mighty bush. Yeah, the mighty yeah. bush. So that, so it was a weird way to get a name for something. It is. I mean, I can see it. I can definitely mm. see it with his hair. His hair is majestic as fuck. Mm. Well, that's that's uh, that's Vince. That's Vince Noirs. I was talking about his Naboo's. I was talking about Naboo's hair. Yeah, yeah. So right. it was his brother, it was Michael's his, uh, friend. Um, Michael did confirm the story. Um, however, he said that his friend was actually Spanish. Right. That's an easy mix-up to me. Yeah, you know. They're, they're similar. Right next to each other, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't say they're the same. We might start a race with <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but they're very similar. Now, the funny thing about, about old Greg is... He has a mangina. That is funny, but that's not the funny thing I was talking about. <laughs> when I was... I don't even remember who was telling me. Someone I know was telling me about it before I'd even seen it. And he was explaining it to me. And you know that thing you do sometimes when you tell someone a story from a TV show or you're trying to recapture a part of a TV show or a movie and you get it all wrong and you say the wrong shit? Mm. He did that. So I always was under the impression that basically Howard goes down there, asks for a drink, and Greg says to him, I only have cider. Old Greg just drinks cider. And doesn't make mention of it all. Old Greg likes Baileys. Baileys and cider are very fucking different from each other. (laughs) That's very different. He doesn't meet him at the bar. He's out in the middle of the fucking lake fishing. He's out in the fishing. boat. He's like, what's this hook in my head? Yeah. That's funny. I must say, um, they do do a very good job because they play uh, like multiple characters um, throughout the series as well. Like yeah. the moon. The moon's Noel Fielding as well. Yeah. As, yeah. And uh, old Greg was actually Noel Fielding yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old Greg. <laughs> he calls him his fuzzy little man peach. <laughs> my fuzzy little man peach. Fuzzy little man peach. My watercolors, but I, I just I don't know there's something about the 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 way that they use their comedy and that they bring music into as well because Julian Barrett's the one that actually wrote and does all the music for the Mighty Bush. Did not know that. Yeah, so Julian Barrett actually writes it all. He composes all the music, um, which includes a variety of genres such as rap, heavy metal, and psychedelic rock. And he actually is himself an accomplished musician. Apparently, played guitar for a band called Little Chief during a European tour and this makes sense because at a young age he took an interest in jazz fusion you've seen any of the episodes where where Howard talks about like jazz and it's got a funny name to it though. it's like something like like spicy jazz or something like oh he's, yeah, Howard's always going on about his jazz yeah. and how much he likes and stuff which is obviously a reflection of that then um, and apparently he did fail in an attempt to become a jazz guitarist so ripped to his dreams and hopes there um, and they've also won or at least been nominated for Slight, yeah, like they've been nominated or won a lot. Like, holy shit! Um, 98, they won Best Newcomer winner with Noel Fielding um, as Double Act, The Mighty Bush. Um, they were a nominee the year later for Arctic Bush. Um, in 2000, they won the Barry Award at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for Arctic Bush. Nice. Um, they 2001, no. 
Um, they actually, yeah, that was cool. They won Best TV Show at the Shockwaves NME Awards all three years that they were on TV. That's pretty good. That's so they, they actually won an award for every single season of the TV show. And they won Best Live Show with Future Sales at the Shockwaves NME Awards in 2010. Um, they also, Mighty Bush won Best DVD. Um, like, yeah. They've done well for themselves, is basically what you're saying. Yeah, no, they've done really well. Noel Fielding's also done very well for himself. I was just looking at some of his personal ones here. 2008, Sexiest Man. 2008, Best Dressed. Uh, these are all at Shockwaves NME. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just those two, which isn't surprising. He does dress and quite outlandishly. He does. Which is good. So that's I think the other thing I like as well that the the characters they made seem to be more extensions it, of themselves. Yeah, like more extreme extensions of themselves. Yeah, caricatures of themselves. Yes, very, very, very good indeed. Yeah. I like that one because mm, a lot of the things like yeah that they do in real life just yeah just seems to be more an outgoing version of them in regards to Howard Moon and his beady little eyes and Vince Noir and his majestic hair his majestic hair his hair is majestic he is I'm pretty sure in one episode he, he actually mentions that like his hair is going to be preserved and like basically like put like not even going to worry about his head like his hair is going to be put into a jar and preserve future generations to admire makes sense <laughs> i think it was one of my favorite episodes so it's the second season where they're trying to tune the goth chick seen that I don't one know that one like so how it gets all like puts on all black clothes and stuff and he tries to be and vince tells him to be all dark and stuff and he's like yeah i was at a, at a graveyard the other day i was there and i tombstone took a shit on it right on it and then <laughs> multiple times later on i think something's like killed spawn the other day took a shit on it right on it like <laughs> Just keeps like, circling back to that. Yeah, just keeps, yeah, just keeps, yeah, just trying to be dark and, oh, it's fucking funny. It's weird, but it's fucking funny. I will definitely sit down and watch the whole series now. Mm. No, definitely, it's, it's good. Season, it's there's like a whole one. bunch of weird shit, like, they go, there's one where, um, you got the, the, oh, who are the Cockney blokes? I can't remember. Maybe they are just called the Cockneys, where they're trying to make Howard look younger. Um... So they go, and Naboo's got access. Apparently, Naboo's been, like, alive for centuries because he has access to the Fountain of Youth. So they go and try and take it. And, oh, where's it going? Cockneys and Howard, Fountain, Fountain of Youth. Youth. Trying to help keep Howard young. Trying to keep Howard young, that's right. And so, yeah, like, they travel through time and space. I mean, and that's it. Like, the whole opening scene is like, come with us now and prepare for a journey through time and space. It's the Mighty Bush. That is, that is exactly how the opening mm. goes. But they go away and then, like, Naboo gets reprimanded by, like, this council of wizardy dudes. And it's like the one bloke is just this pink-looking octopus head talking to him. And this little kid on the council was like this kid. And at some point, they turn around and, like, make mention that, like, not, oh, I can't remember what they say, but it's like, yeah, they're basically he's the most ruthless motherfucker on the whole council and not to piss him off. And, awesome. just, and he just like acknowledges it. That's awesome. No. So is the first season worth watching at all or is it... Would you yeah, oh, definitely it? worth watching. Kind of sets it up a little bit and it, it definitely lets you know more about like the way that Vince and Howard and their dynamic works. So I know in the first season, it's when they, when they go missing or they leave or whatever, the, those two weird like... I don't know if they're like Viking sort of guys or whatever in like the, all the fur and the stick. Mm. And they like, they just talk like they're like, 
They say, like, top shop, top shop, and they're, like, showing their tie and they're fucking pointing at each other and shit. Mm. They're, like, just weird guys. And the American guy that runs the, the zoo or whatever. Bob Fossil. He's like, you're hired. Bob Fossil's great. He's fucking, if you like his description of the animals. Give me an example. Oh, gray-faced leg man or something like that. I can't remember exactly what was it. And they're just like, do, do you mean the elephant? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, long face grey man or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, he, he, none of the animals he, he calls by. They're correct the, names. No, he has really weird names for them all. Things like that. That's funny. That is funny. That's good. And it also has, um, you can tell the sort of, uh, I guess, group that they're in with well, because yeah, they've got Matt Berry, who is in the first season. He's like that crazy hunter. Yep. Um, and Richard... I hate saying this guy's last name. Richard Aode. Yep. Um, plays Moss in the IT crowd. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the council members as well. Pretty yeah. sure he does something else in it. Probably plays another character or something, but yeah, he's in in there as well. But they're all they're all long-standing friends because what Noel Fielding is then in IT crowd as well. He's yeah. the vampire in the yeah 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 thing yeah with again with Richard and Matt Berry. Yeah, and Matt Berry's in Toast of London as well. He yeah? is the star of, of Toast, Toast of London. London. I fucking love that show. Like, fuck, that show's gold. Like, I'm taking it off Netflix, which is sad. It is. I went to go for my second for my second serving of Toast of London. and Yeah, because Toast. I got it. That's what I was going for there. I regret saying it now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they took it off me. I started, like, worry watching the first, or the series again. Yeah, I got, didn't get to the end of the first season. And they took it off. I was like, are you fucking serious? Netflix are real motherfuckers like that. Mm. Just, just, it seems like they know just when you're starting to watch something from beginning to end. And then they take it away just as you're getting towards the end of it. Mm. Or you like just started getting into it. Like it's got multiple seasons. Like you're getting right towards the end of the first season or something. Or you've just started the second. And you're like, yeah, it's fucking, it's going great guns. And they're like, nope. Mm, not anymore. It's not. Not anymore. It's all right. I'll wait six months until it's on stand. Hmm. Um, another interesting thing to point out is that uh, J.G. Quintel, who is the creator of the regular show, cartoon series, yes. has said that Mighty Bruce was a rather large influence for him. That's pretty awesome. It's a good shout-out for him. It's a good shout-out for him. Um, and I'm what, makes sense, because I'm actually quite the fan of regular show. So You are. I've only seen bits and pieces again. No, you should really... You, to really appreciate regular show, you've got to start watch it from beginning to end, because things that take place it does start to become in a way continuous right and you can yeah they do start eventually referencing back to some of the crazy weird shit that's happened in it previously I'll take your advice on that I'll give it a crack is it on is it on Stan or anything that is on Stan it's on Stan it's on Stan I think all eight seasons Stan's killing the game they are aren't they from TV for a TV show perspective they've got some great TV shows on there Mm -hmm. next I have some information here on how they actually met Ooh. So, um, Fielding and Barrett met when Barrett was performing a gig. No, sorry, I put that around. Fielding met Barrett when he was performing a gig. So, uh, Barrett was impressed by Fielding's skill. Barrett offered him a place to perform. And the two went on to form a partnership, believe it or not. Ooh, lovers. No. And they have actually compared their relationship to a marriage. Uh, the character of Vince Noir is a kind, somewhat naive and loyal friend to the self-centered, neurotic and ambitious Howard Moon. Vince can talk to animals, earning him the nickname Mowgli in flares. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Rince is vibrant and flamboyant, contrasting with his friend Howard, who is more like a geography teacher from Lee. Here we go. I do have some of the other characters that Fielding plays. Uh, so Tony Harrison, which is the pink head with like, octopus-looking thing on the yeah. on the council, that like, shaman council. He plays the hitcher. The hitcher. That's that's the Cockney hitchhikers that I was talking about. From right. With um, Apollo mint for an eye. So is the moon spider Dijon? Have you seen that one where they go try and find the new sound? No. Oh, it's like, why do they call you spider? Call me spider because it's got eight dicks. Right. <laughs> and he's he seen taking a piss at one point. He's just there, it's just like all this fucking spray. That's <laughs> <laughs> gold. Then, yeah, he plays the uh, old Greg, a hermaphrodit- hermaphroditic merman obsessed with Bailey's Irish cream and watercolours. Creamy. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. I guess Noel's fielding is probably the more, I guess, known out of the two as well. Yeah, well, he does great British Bake Off and shit like that. He does, well. and he goes on all the game shows, things like that. Whereas Julian Barrett has said that he prefers to more goes out of his way to not do those sort of things, as he would prefer to just stay at home and read a book. Cheers, you know. Interesting chap he is. It is for someone for a performer. Although, I mean, he does well. Like he's on other TV shows and stuff. He's done my bush. Um, he's on currently on. Um, a show that's doing quite well for herself in England called The Flowers. I haven't seen it, but it sounds interesting. I yeah. did, I did look and he, he, he has appeared in Toast of London at one point, didn't he? Did he appear in it? Oh, no, they had the crossover with... Yeah, I got that back to, I got that back to front. It's okay. It's okay. I got my moustaches mixed up. Your moustaches mixed up? Although, I mean, I've, what was the other one? The de- the Detectorists? Yep. That, did you, that was on Netflix for a while. The I think they might have taken that away. Detectionists? No, no, the de- the Detectorists. Yeah. It was a like British TV show about these two blokes that like to do all the go with their metal detectors and look for things. It was weird. It wasn't straight up in your face funny, but it was good. Um, and the bloke that plays, um, oh, I think his name's like Howard Boom or something like that. The, anyway, the two blokes that rock up, I think, in the third season. And they're basically copies of Vincent Howard. Yeah. And yeah, and this guy he does get the big little eyes. Uh, but no, he's in the detectorist. He's like he plays one of these one of these two other detectorists that are always like following them around, trying to see whether or not they found a good field or something like that. There you go. Hmm. Did not know that. Get all the facts. No, I just you know I noticed weird shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's more I noticed weird shit. Makes sense. At least you're open about it. But um, look, this is actually being quite a lot of fun. I must say, uh, doing a suggest episode definitely made us look into. I mean. For one, one thing we got something we hadn't seen before correct which was Night Shift which was actually fucking awesome definitely worth watching definitely worth watching you haven't seen it as Molly would say do yourself a favour um, and we both happenstance managed to get at least one other thing as well that we already liked or knew a bit about new stuff about yeah so for you Donkey Kong being the SNES SNES kid that you are I was, correct. I was more Sega so I missed out on the Donkey Kongs growing up and uh, Mighty Bush, which um, I've loved for years. Which you didn't give a rating to. Shit. I haven't either. All right. I'll let you do the whole rating on this one because I don't really have much to contribute after. Only, I've only seen a few episodes. Look, I'm going to take the first season into consideration as it wasn't as strong. What's your metric going to be? Mm, mm, mm. Bottles of Baileys? I think it should be. I think it might have to be. I, I'm going to give it four. Four bottles of Baileys. Four bottles of Baileys out of five. I was almost, I was almost tempted to give it four and a half, but you know, first season held it back a bit in regards to not being as strong as 
seasons two and three. Yeah, fair enough. And there's only three seasons. Also fair. But on that night, Noel Fielding did drop an Instagram, old Insta post at the beginning of the year. Which is one of the places you can check us out at Cotter Popularity. Um, stating that there was not enough Mighty Boosh last decade. Let's see if we can rectify that this one. Ooh. So, and put up with a picture of him and Julian Barrett. So, whether or not we may, may or not, may or may not get another TV series, but potentially they're, they're looking into doing another stage show or something like that, which would still be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. I don't know. I'm going to make a bold prediction. Do it. I know very little about all this. They'll do a Mighty Boosh movie. Ooh. I think it works as a movie. I think it works as a movie as well, but turning TV shows into movies seems to be all the rage. Yeah. Nah. That's my bold prediction. That's it. All right. We heard it here heard first, it folks. First. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. You are. But if you're right, holy shit, we'll be fucking plastering this shit everywhere. Oh, yeah. That sound clip will go viral. We'll make sure it does. <laughs> Let's timestamp it. No, it's not. <laughs> you want to wrap up let's do it uh, but again thank you very much for giving us this opportunity to one find out find something new revisit some old shit we loved and I don't know why but give you guys our opinions on shit that you love yeah and if you've enjoyed this feel free to give us more suggestions we'll do more episodes oh please please do Especially, I'd really like someone to put something else in that they love that I haven't actually seen before as well. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Night Shift was good. Uh, make sure it is good, though, because you don't want to ruin it for everyone else. That's right. And we will be harsh if it's not good. <laughs> but, yeah, this has been Cultural Popularity Podcast. you got to give the plug. I've given a small plug to Insta, but you got to give the plug for all the social. Uh, I've been told by my manager that they would just like me to do a quick plug right now for all the socials. That'd be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're there. We're alive. Don't forget, we're Cult O Popularity on the Twits. Actually, you have to search Cult O Popularity Podcast to find it. But if you want to communicate with us, we're Cult O, Pop- Cult o Popularity. I stand corrected. You can find us at Cult O Popularity Podcast, Podcast on the Twits. But to communicate with us, you need to at Cult O Popularity, which can get confusing. Because on the Instas, is Cult of Popularity. And on Facebook, just search Cult of Popularity Podcast. But that's it, coppers. You've been listening to a suggested by you episode from Cult of Popularity. Cop that. <laughs>